Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church in two locations, reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ, and you can partner with us by sharing this video or clicking the Give link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message.
to the darkness I was Rejected and cut off from hope I couldn't see His love for me They said he's not who he seems Don't get your hopes up for healing The lies fell away When I saw his face My heart burst to light I saw delight in his eyes When he looked at me
Well, good morning. morning. How is everybody doing today? Good, 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 good. Um, uh, I'm excited to be here this morning as we're in week two of our series, Breathing Room. Uh, For those that I haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Gus Bishop, and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here. Uh, And in this series of Breathing Room, we've been looking at what it looks like to find breathing room in our finances. And my guess is uh, that the majority of us here would probably say uh, that we would, life would feel a little bit better if we could find a little bit more margin with our money, correct? Would anybody agree with that statement? Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, somebody's like, yes, somebody's like, mm, I don't know if I should say that or not. But it's okay to say that. But here's the reality. Most Americans don't have margin with their money. And when we don't have margin with our money, those, those simple things that could be, could be just simple little speed bumps in the road of life actually become huge roadblocks in life, okay? And that's why last week, we talked about developing a strategy for our money, which we called a, thank you. I was like, oh man, this is, y'all let me hang there for a little bit. I was, here's the deal. Some of y'all are like, budget, right? I get it. Some of us like budgets. Some of us don't like budgets, right? Here, here's what I, I gather though. The reason that, the main reason there's two people, two types of people in this world when it comes to our money. And we've got the, the savers and the spenders, Right? And so I want us to take an honest poll this morning, not who you want to be or not who you think your neighbor wants you to be, but like who you are right now. And I know, see, I love it because I see y'all looking at each other if y'all are here together as a couple. This is going to be so much fun. Um, all right, so if you would say that, that you, you like to save money uh, because you never know uh, when you're going to need it, raise your hand. Okay, now if you would say that you're okay with spending money because you know that you're not going to get to take it with you when you go, raise your hand. We got the double hand going up there this morning. Uh, Whoa, I just saw somebody, I saw somebody just grab their wife's hand and throw it up. (laughs) We're going to pray for you later. It's totally fine. Um, But the reality is what I notice is about 50% of the room is savers and about 50% of the room is spenders. What's very interesting to me though is when I look at those who are here with their significant others, one of you is a saver and one of you is a spender, which helps reinforce that statement that opposites attract, correct? Husbands, this is what you're supposed to, yes, I'm so attracted to you. That's when you're supposed to do that, not elbow each other. But, uh, golly, guys, I don't know to tell you this. Listen, I, I actually, my parents were supposed to be here this morning, and I wish they would have been here because they uh, would tell you, and they could testify to this, that even as a kid, even as a kid, I was always a spender. I was a spender. And listen, their favorite saying to me, whether I was giving money on my birthday or for Christmas or for doing chores or cutting the neighbor's grass, whenever I had money in my pocket, the one word, the one line that my parents would always say to me is, Gus, that money's going to burn a hole in your pocket. Thank you. I do not feel like I'm on this bus alone this morning. Burn a hole in your pocket. And for me as a kid, I would spend money on Star Wars. Like Star Wars, anything and everything Star Wars, the latest battleship, the latest figure, the latest poster, whatever it was, it was Star Wars for me. I I like to to kind of take a little stake and say that I was probably the original gangster when it came to my Star Wars collection. So much so that about 15 years ago, I sat down and started with a piece of paper, a calculator, and a pen and just began to like write everything out, everything that I own Star Wars. And began to assign value to it based on the market for it at that time. 15 years ago. Guys, I had thousands and thousands of dollars worth of Star Wars stuff. And 15 years later, probably worth tens of thousands of dollars. And so some of you look at me and go, why don't you sell that? 
Because here's the thing. Remember as a kid, I said I was not a saver. I was a spender. And so what I did was I got rid of all of that stuff, pushed it aside so that I could have the next new thing. And for me, like, here, here's, I'm going to confess this to you. My biggest problem, my biggest weakness is technology. Like, I love new technology. So much so that um, when the iPhone first came out, that every time there'd be a new release, I would have to be, within two or three days, get the new release, right? And, but here's the deal. I've gotten better about it. I've gotten a lot better about it. I've actually come up with a philosophy to this problem of mine. Um, so what I do is every three releases of the iPhone, I'll get a new one. And I can sit down with you and describe that philosophy and the reason behind that. I don't have time to do that now, uh, but here's the deal. It's my philosophy. I'm sticking to it. And so, so you, you can just deal with that. That's fine. Here's what I want you to get today. That for some of us, saving does not come naturally. So whether saving comes naturally or not for you, it doesn't matter because we all need to save. We all need to save. And I can see the look in some of your eyes and I can see the way you kind of squirm in your chair. You're looking at me and going, who are you to be telling me about my money? Like you're not a financial advisor, a financial counselor. And you're correct, I'm not. But I would like to think that I'm your brother. And I would like to think that we're family. And not just as a kid, but as an adult, I made some horrible financial decisions. I had some huge financial failures in my life. And I would rather you learn from mine than have to struggle through your own. So you can sit there and you can listen or not. That's totally fine. But here's what I do promise you. We're going to be going all over the Bible day. We are diving deep into the Bible. There's going to be scriptures floating back and forth on that screen all day today. Because the Bible has a lot to say when it comes to saving. For example, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. To me, that's just a funny word. I want to pause there for a second. Sluggard. Say, say sluggard. Does it just not feel weird when you say it? Like, so, so it says, go to the ant, O sluggard, which is a lazy person, basically. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Now, I want you to remember that the book of Proverbs is written by this guy named Solomon, who in his day was considered to be the, the wealthiest and wisest person that walked planet Earth. So what he's saying here is that Ants don't need anyone to tell them to save. Like an ant doesn't need anyone to tell them to save. They don't have a, a chief, an officer, a husband, a wife, a ruler, a pastor, a financial advisor to tell them to save. They need to save for their future. So here's what you can bet. If you go out and enjoy the beautiful weather today and you go walking and you eat your little protein bar and some crumbs fall on the ground, there's going to be an ant that comes alongside of that, grabs that and takes it back and stores it for when they'll need it. If you can't relate to an ant, Proverbs 21.20 says this. Previous treasure in oil or in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. And what Solomon is saying here is that, is that the wise men don't consume everything that they have. They actually save some of their possessions. But on the other hand, fools don't bother with saving. They devour it all. So in case you're wondering how that, uh, that scripture can relate to us in today's culture, I want to propose to you this morning that this verse describing a person who lives paycheck to paycheck. It essentially, he's talking about a person who spends everything that they make, who eats everything that they have in their house so they have nothing left for later. And I want to be clear this morning, like I'm not trying to beat anyone up, right? 
I'm not trying to beat anyone up. I want you to learn from my mistakes. But the reality is over half of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And there are some definitely some real life circumstances that can play into that. There's accidents, there's illnesses, right? There, there's, there's those those things where your company that you work for is downsizing, those are real-life circumstances that can play into living paycheck to paycheck. But unfortunately, it's not always those circumstances. A lot of times, it's the choices that we make. And so the good news, outside of Jesus being Lord and Savior of our lives, the good news about savings today is that savings is a choice as well. As a matter of fact, this morning, I want to encourage you to consistently save for three things. The first thing is emergencies. Emergencies. And emergencies are those things you just don't see coming. Anybody had an emergency before? Wow. No, really? Seriously? No one's had an emergency before? Okay. Anyway, the emergencies are those things that you just don't see coming. Right? And, and so let's be clear. Uh, for me personally, the newest iPhone release is not an emergency. Although it will be really sweet because that iPhone 11 has that nice camera. But I'm still rocking the 8 Plus. Remember I told you I have my three-year plan, my three-release plan. Your team making the championship and you rushing out to go buy a seat for that championship is not an emergency. This one's hard for me. Christmas is not an emergency. How many of us know that every December, Christmas is going to roll around? So it's not an emergency. It's not like we're like, oh, Christmas is here. Where did that come from? Or maybe like this past Friday, when we went out and spent that extra money on our honeys and our sweeties and our significant others, like February 14th comes around every year, right? It's not an emergency. Emergencies are those things like um, the water line breaking at your house or the transmission going out in your car all of a sudden, right? Or when you go to the doctor for your regular checkup, like, like your regular checkup for your chronic illness, they inform you you have to have an extra $2,000 worth of lab work done. That last one may be personal for me. But I get and I understand emergencies, okay? The second thing that we need to be consistently saving for are the things that you want. The things that you want. Listen, if you want that new couch, save up for it. Save up for it and buy it. If you want that new 8K TV with surround sound, save up for it and buy it. If you want that new mattress, that new mattress that kind of adjusts itself to the temperature of your body and the contours of your body, that's awesome. Save up for it and buy it. Because what you don't want, again, I'm speaking from experience, what you don't want is the beginning of every month to have a monthly mortgage payment and a monthly mattress payment. Been there, done that. I'm not saying and I'm not opposed to, to going and getting things that you want, but delay the instant gratification long enough so that you can save up for it and pay for it. Buy it in cash so that you don't become a slave to somebody else's money. And the last thing uh, that you need to consistently save for are the things that you'll need. The things that you'll need. And you might not need certain things right away, right? But these are things like, how many of you have kids? Raise your hand if you've got kids. How many of you want kids, right? And, and how many of you know that kids aren't born with perfect teeth? So you're going to have to put braces on them. And, and you're going to have to have maybe help them with college. You're going to want to help them with college, or, or maybe they're going to get married one day and you want to help with the wedding. Listen, I'm living in two out of three of those right now. I have an awesome son that's a man of God that's going to be marrying a woman of God. 
And I've got an awesome woman of God who's a daughter of mine that's going to be going to college next year. I am living that out right now. And we didn't always make the best decisions to help them out, but luckily and blessedly, because we started to make some of these decisions the right way, we've been able to, to, to rework some things in our finances so that we can help them along the way. Maybe you want your golden years to be real golden. Save for retirement. Those are the things that you need to be saving for. And here's the crazy thing. I've never met anyone that's told me they didn't want to save for these things. But I know a lot of people who just haven't saved for these things. And typically it's because of two reasons. Two issues. One is a discipline issue and the other is a discernment issue. So if you're taking notes this morning, you might want to write this down. A discipline issue is when you have the game plan in front of you and you decide to do what you want to do instead of what you know you should do. It's like you, you know what you should do, but you do what you want to do, right? And it's not because of a lack of knowledge. It's because of a lack of willpower that you don't save. Guys, I confess this. That, that's always been my struggle. That's always been my struggle is a lack of willpower. And, and I just want you to know, like, I, I had to learn to be disciplined, and so if you're here and it's a, it's a discipline issue for you, there's not a whole lot that I can do or say to help except to remind you that the ant, even the ant knows how to save for their future. And if the ant can do it, you can do it. Shoot, if I can do it, you can do it. And I get it. I know it's hard because, listen, that iPhone 11 looks pretty sweet. But I had to learn to have discipline when it comes to those things. And, and the past couple of days and kind of praying into this message, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to speak to a specific group of people this morning. So I just want to take a, a second and just kind of be obedient to what the Lord was asking of me. And so, because here, here's the thing. Some of us don't have the discipline to plan for our future because we don't value ourselves enough to think that we have a future. That was me. That was me. When Nicole and I first got married, that was me. I, I, I literally didn't have the discipline to plan for our future because I didn't value myself enough to think that I had a future. And so for some of us, the biggest reason that we don't have discipline is that we don't feel like our future is valuable. So we don't think our future matters. And maybe you've been through that, or maybe you're going through that right now. Maybe you know someone who's going through that. Listen, listen, don't believe the lie that the enemy is telling you. If the, like if the enemy can just get you to believe and think that you do not have a future, that your future has no value, then what he's going to do is he's going to convince you that your future has no value. And he's going to, in convincing of that, he's going to get you to believe that God hasn't promised you anything or that God doesn't have a purpose for your life. But you have to remember that God's faithful to fulfill his promises and to lead you to your purpose. But, but you still, we still have work to do and we still have a responsibility to pursue that promise. And so you may be here and you may say, well, listen, Gus, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a discipline issue for me then it, it could be a possibility that's a discernment issue for you. A discernment issue. And a discernment issue is when <clears throat> you just don't know how to save money. You just don't know how to save money. 
And if that's you, then I, I want to quickly walk you through what it means uh, to prioritize money. So how many of you know that when you get paid, you get to decide where every dollar goes? Right? See, I didn't used to think that. I, and some of you may not think that. Some of you are going, no, I don't get to decide that because I've got to pay that huge mortgage payment. I've got to pay that huge car payment. This is going to sting. And it stung for me when I came to the realization of this. I decided and chose to have that huge mortgage payment. And I decided and chose to have the huge car payment, that huge truck payment. See, so we decide where our money goes, right? So for example, if I get paid $1,000... I get to tell every single dollar of that $1,000 where it's, where it's supposed to go. And I do that by, by making a budget, right? This is that word again, making a budget. Because if I don't tell that money where to go, I'm going to wake up two weeks later and that money's going to be gone somewhere. And I'll have no idea where it's going. Anybody else ever been there before? So, so, so for example, let's look at this in, in, the, in the filter of being a Christ follower. So for example, as a Christ follower, uh, we received $1,000. Right? And the receiving of that $1,000, uh, we're called by God to give 10% back to God. Right? And, and so of that $1,000, I'm called to give $100 to the church in a form of a tithe. And here's what I want you to know about tithing. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of time on tithing next week. We're going to go dive deep into what Scripture says about tithing. And here's what I can promise you too. Is you're going to get extended an offer that you've probably never been extended before from a church. So, so I want to encourage you to be here next week as we spend a little bit more time talking about tithing. But so after I take that $1,000, I give 100% back to the church, I have $900 left over for living expenses, right? Is my math right on that? Okay, good. All right, so my math's right on that. $900 left for living expenses. And those things are like, those things are things like mortgage, utilities, food, those type of things. Now, for many of us, this is where we're spending all of that $900. We're spending all of it. Right? But let's say we decided to cut back on our Amazon Prime orders. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. I feel, like I'm about, I feel like I'm about to get stoned right now. I don't know what's going on. But here's the thing. Like maybe we should cut back on our Amazon Prime orders or cut back on eating out so much or cut back on those DoorDash deliveries. And in cutting back on those things, that gives us a little bit more money to save. So we spend less so that we can save more, which then would allow you to, to build up what they call an emergency fund. Anybody heard of an emergency fund? Okay, an emergency fund. I'm going to talk real briefly about it. An emergency fund, emergency fund is for those things. It's money that you set aside in an account for those things that are actually emergencies. Remember, we, we define what some emergencies are and we define what they're not. But it's money you set aside that are just for those things. And experts tell us that we should save up to three to six months of our living expenses in that emergency fund. Now, when I hear that, I start sweating. I can't think or fathom putting away three to six months of living expenses. But here's what I can tell you. We have, Nicole and I have started to put some money away in an emergency fund. And not that, not that. And I'll be honest, we don't even have one, have one month of living expenses in there right now. But here's what I can tell you. We can breathe so much easier when a Mr. and Mrs. Emergency comes knocking on our door, like that $2,000 worth of extra blood work that I just told you about. Like, because 
I can breathe easier because I know that money is there for that purpose alone. And so it doesn't interfere with my, the rest of my living and the, the, way we, the rest of the, my living expenses of the way we live. Now, so for those of us that may be living paycheck to paycheck, I want you to imagine this. Matter of fact, I want everybody to close their eyes for a second. I love participation. Close your eyes. Imagine what your life would look like if you knew you had three to six months worth of living expenses set away in a separate account for an emergency. That'd be such a good place to be and it'd be such a freeing place to be. Would it not? Okay, you can open up your eyes now. I, I, I want to talk real briefly about making money, about making money. And repeat, I'm not a financial expert, but here's what I know. There are two ways to make money. There are two ways to make money. The first way for, is for people to make money, right? I, I'm sure a lot of you know that you have, for people to make money, they have to work to make money. But did you know the Bible talks specifically about this? In 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, verse 10, it says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Now, I'll be honest with you. The first time I read that, I was like, that's kind of harsh. But really pay attention to what's being said. It's not saying, uh, listen, if anyone's not working, don't let them eat. Pay attention to the key words there. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. You know what my wife and I's parents taught us and what we've tried to teach our kids? Is that if you really want something, you work for it. Work for it. And so if you, if you don't work for it, then you don't have the money to go out and eat that Chick-fil-A that you want to eat or to go out on that special date, that special dinner uh, of your food of choice. But see, not only can people make money, but money can make money, right? And Jesus talks about investing. He talks about investing. Uh, in Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable, and a parable is just a fictional story that makes a factual statement. So Jesus tells this parable uh, about a master who gives five talents to one guy, he gives two talents to another guy, and gives one talent to a third guy. And look at what scripture tells us uh, that this guy with the five talents does. It says, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. Another translation says that the man put his money to work, like he invested it so that he would have more. Now, Again, no expert, but I do have my two cents when it comes to investing. If you're going to invest in something, invest in something that you understand. Invest in something you understand. And, and, and if, you, if you, you're thinking about investing in something you don't understand it, like spend some time and do the research and acquire the knowledge so that you can understand exactly what you're about to invest in. Another thing to remember is that you, you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. How many have heard that before? Moms have probably said it. Your mom, your dad has probably said it. Their mom, their dad. Here's the thing. It wasn't their original saying. It was actually, it's a biblical principle found in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2. that says, give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Gus's translation, diversify your investments. Like, don't go all in on one thing when it comes to investing, right? 
Because if you go in all on one thing with an investment and, and, and that investment tanks, you lose everything. But if you go in on seven or eight and you spread it out when one thing tanks, you're going to be okay. Like you're you're going to be all right. And finally, don't try to get rich quick. I was going to say, let's have a moment of confession. How many of you tried to get rich quick before? We won't do that, especially for those of you that are sitting next to your significant others. We don't want to go that route. But don't try to get rich quick. Like the Bible warns us about the desire for wealth and the desire for riches. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Don't chase after money recklessly and rapidly because chances are you're going to get wrecked. Like it's going to wreck you. Again, been here, done that. Okay? And then remember Proverbs 13, 11 says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle. How many of you have heard of those terrible stories about people who've won the lottery and about two years later they're bankrupt? Right? It's because they, they don't value what they were just given. They got it so fast. They didn't take the time to value it. And, and so scripture tells us the wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. I, I was thinking the other day, I'm so glad when I became of age to get married that the first woman that I saw, I didn't marry her right there. I mean, like right there immediately on the spot. Because that probably wouldn't have turned out so good. (laughs) However, by dating my wife, getting to know her little by little, that relationship has been increased because it's gained value when you invest little by little. Now, I know it's not exciting or thrilling, right, to invest little by little over time, but it's, it's how you can save and gain wealth. And the reason, listen, listen to me, the purpose to gain wealth is not to keep wealth for yourself. The purpose to have wealth is so that you can draw closer to God and help other people draw closer to God. And in a world where we want everything right here, right now, I just want to encourage you to be patient and wise when it comes to investing, when it comes to your money. Because, listen, when you're wise and you're patient, it can lead you to a place of financial freedom and financial peace. And that's exactly um, the story of a family here in our church. And to hear their story, let's check out this video. My name is Josh Rowan. I'm Carrie Ann Rowan. We've been married for almost 16 years. And when we first got married, we were very young and not making a ton of money. And so uh, we knew right away that we wanted to be able to have me stay home with children. So when I started working, we immediately started living off of only one salary. And so we were very frugal, did lots of deals and coupons and everything you could do to save money. After we had our first baby, we realized that finances were going to be something that we're gonna have to be paying attention to very uh, intently. When we got around to purchasing a house, we could have qualified for much more than what we purchased at. We bought a house um, probably half the size or half the cost of what some of our friends were purchasing. And I think Karen was very wise in, in pushing for that, um, knowing that she was gonna stop working because of our first child 
And so we've maintained a, a low mortgage um, throughout even the, you know, the tough years. And that makes a good point. I did the finances for the first 15 years of our marriage and it was just recently that I handed over all of it to Josh. We still talk all the time about our finances. We consult with one another about where we're at and how we're doing and what needs to be done. Another facet to our journey is just sharing the load when one person is maybe feeling overwhelmed or uh, that there's just too much going on, the other person can kind of come in and, and relieve that. Um, you know, she's her own person and I'm my own person, so I have, you know, I, I have a tendency towards uh, saving or investing for later in life. And um, I think, you know, she is much like that, but she probably has a tendency more towards, um, we need to make sure that we are living life now as well. So, you know, we got to bring that together and, and talk about it and, and how does it look for us. Uh, we started coming to the Vine about four years after we were married. We had not ever tithed at that point. Even though we'd been in church uh, for all that time, we'd never tithed. And we were challenged coming to the Vine to start tithing. And that process was kind of hard because at that point we were already living to the penny, um, basically almost going in the red every month. So how do you tithe when you're already just barely <laughs> not making it. Um, at the time, we were challenged to just start giving 1% at a time. Next month, we did 2% and so forth. And when we got to 8%, uh, we actually felt led to give extra to somebody else. And so we donated an extra $100 that month. And that actually bumped us up to 11% for the month and felt kind of scared about that because I thought this is definitely going to put us in the red. The cool thing about that was uh, when we gave that money and then within the next couple days we opened the mailbox, we had overpaid our mortgage for um, that year and so the bank sent us back money and it was more than we had even tithed that month. That was confirmation to us that the Lord would provide. So that has led us to tithing for the last um, over 10 years, 11 years basically is about how long that's been. And we've been faithful with that ever since. And I can say to you that the Lord has provided for that entire time and blessed us along the way because we started with two children we started coming here and now we have four <laughs> and still both teachers. <laughs>
than he is with your salary or any money that you make or anything that you have to offer him. Shut up.